0: Hello and welcome back to the Yeshua Judaism series of podcast. We are now in part 3 of our discussion where we prove that since God cannot be seen and Yeshua the Messiah was very definitely seen, then Yeshua the Messiah cannot possibly be God in the flesh. Now, we ended part 2 where we were beginning to discuss the Angel of God. So, the Angel of God, is that a pre existent Christ? Because there are a lot of preachers and Christian leaders who say that the Angel of God referenced in the Tanakh, what Christianity calls the Old Testament, was actually Christ in a pre existent form. So, the Angel of the Lord, or the Angel of God, is a very interesting figure in Scripture. Let's look at a few passages that refer to him. First, I'll be reading from Genesis chapter 22, verses 10 through 12. And I'll be reading from the King James Version. Again, Genesis 22, 10 through 12. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, "Lay not thine hand upon the lad; neither do thou anything to him, for now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me." So there you have the angel of the Lord. Now Genesis thirty-one, chapters ten through—excuse me, chapter thirty-one, verses ten through thirteen. And it came to pass at the time that the cattle conceived that I lifted up mine eyes and saw in a dream, and behold, the rams which leaped upon the cattle were ring-straked, speckled, and grizzled. And the angel of God spoken to me in a dream, saying, Jacob. And I said, Here am I. And he said, Lift up now thine eyes and see, all the rams which leap upon the cattle are ring-straked, speckled, and grizzled. For I have seen all that Laban doeth unto thee. I am the God of Bethel, where thou anointest the pillar, and where thou vowest a vow unto me. Now arise, get thee out of this land, and return unto the land of thy kindred. Now notice, that was the angel of God speaking to him, and that angel of God said, "I am the God of Bethel," or Bethel. So here you have the angel of God saying that it is God. Now reading from Judges, chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. And the angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bachim and said, I made you to go up out of Egypt and have brought you into the land which I swear unto your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you. And ye shall make no league with the inhabitants of this land. Ye shall throw down their altars. But ye have not obeyed my voice. Why have ye done this? Wherefore I also said, I will not drive them out from before you, but they shall be as thorns in your sides, and their gods shall be a snare unto you. And it came to pass, when the angel of the Lord spake these words unto all the children of Israel, that the people lifted up their voice and wept. So there again you have the angel of the Lord Speaking to them. Now, going back real quick, the one I read previously from Genesis chapter 31, the angel of God spoken to him, and then that angel of God said, I am the God of Bethel. Remember from what we said in, in part two that basically the shaliach, or the emissary or agent of God, by representing God, in effect is God. It is, it is the representative of God, it is standing in the place of God. But it isn't actually God. It is simply his emissary and representative. That's why that angel could say, I am the God of Bethel, even though it was an angel. It was doing so because of the law of agency, which we discussed in part two, and which is discussed in an entire standalone podcast where we talk about the Shaliach principle or the law of agency principle. All right, so now getting back to this discussion. Okay, so in each of the instances that I just read, the angel of God spoke as though he were God. Now, we know from several other scriptures that the angel of God cannot be God himself. Aside from this, as well as the biblical passages shown earlier which directly state that no man has seen or heard God, and we covered those in parts 1 and 2, we have two other examples proving this to be true. So let's read from 2 Samuel 24, verse 16, where we find God speaking to the angel of God. Again, 2 Samuel 24, verse 16. And when the angel stretched out his hand upon Jerusalem to destroy it, the Lord repented him of the evil and said to the angel that destroyed the people, It is enough. Stay now thine hand. And the angel of the Lord was by the threshing place of Aruana, the Jebusite. Or, excuse me, Arauna, the Jebusite. Now, notice, the angel stretched out his hand to destroy Jerusalem. And the Lord repented, or decided not to do it, right? And then it says the angel of the Lord was by the threshing place of Aruana, the Jebusite. Then in excuse me, Zechariah chapter 1, verse 12, we read of the angel of God speaking to the Eternal One. So the angel of God himself is speaking to God. Then the angel of the Lord answered and said, O Lord of hosts. Now notice, the angel of the Lord is speaking to the Lord. O Lord of hosts, how long wilt thou not have mercy on Jerusalem and on the cities of Judah, against which thou hast had indignation these three score and ten years. So so in 2 Samuel 24, God was speaking to the angel of God. In Second Samuel, or excuse me, in, Ze- in Zechariah chapter 1, verse 12, the angel of God is speaking to God. So you see there, in both those cases, they're two distinct entities. The angel of God is not God. Okay? It's an emissary or a messenger, or an agent of God, a shaliach of God. There are other such, such examples. Since the Creator God and the, and the Angel of God are speaking to one another, they obviously cannot be the same entity. The Creator God and the Angel of God are definitely two separate and distinct entities. We also have a reference which strongly suggests that Yeshua is is not the angel of God. In the Gospel of Matthew, we read of the angel of God appearing and announcing the resurrection of Yeshua. Again, I'll be reading here from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28, verses 2 through 8. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door, and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning, and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him the keepers did shake, and became as dead men. His countenance was like lightning, and his raiment was white as snow. And the angel answered and said, Unto the woman, unto the women that is, Fear not, For I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. And he said, Come, see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly, and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him. Lo, I have told you so. So there you have the angel of the Lord rolled back the stone, so was speaking to the women, etc., telling them about Yeshua being resurrected, but it wasn't Yeshua. So there in Matthew chapter 28, verses 2-8, through 8, you have a very clear example showing the distinction between the angel of the Lord and Yeshua. Okay? All right. A brief note. Do not let yourself be confused by the use of the word Lord. All right? The Greek word rendered as Lord in most English New Testaments is kurios. Strong's reference number 2962. A concise dictionary of the words in the Greek Testament and the Hebrew Bible shows this to mean kurios, supreme in authority, that is, controller, by implication, mister, a respectful title, God, Lord, Master, Sir, etc., all right? In other words, the word rendered often as Lord in English versions of the Bible does not, I repeat, does not always refer to God. In fact, it often and usually doesn't. The capitalization of the word as Lord and the overuse of the term, in other words, the, you know, they take the word Lord, Curios, they, trans, they translate it into English, and then they capitalize it, all right? There is no—the Greek itself is not capitalized like that. That is translator, translator bias. In reality, the word should not be capitalized. So the capitalization of the word as Lord with a, with a capital L and the overuse of the term instead of properly distinguishing between master or sir— or god etc in other words it could be master it could be sir it could be god but they generally just throw in the word lord all right when their word is translated it could mean any of those and because it's translated as lord in all of those cases usually it's very often a cause of confusion and misinterpretation people wrongly assume the word to be referring to god which is often exactly what biased translators want people to assume. By doing a simple word search for Strong's number 2962 using any Bible software, it can be quickly and easily shown that the Greek term kurios is simply referring to anyone of higher rank or is being used as a term of respect or politeness. It does not mean God, all right? In the verses I read from Matthew's Gospel, the angel of the Lord was the angel of God. But when that angel refers to Yeshua, or Jesus, as Lord, he does not mean to imply that Yeshua is God. In that case, the term is simply being applied to Yeshua as being superior to himself, that is, to the angel, and to those with whom he spoke, that is, to the women present. Indeed, since it was after his resurrection... Yeshua was at that point given all power and authority by God. Therefore, Yeshua was and is superior to the angel of the Lord, us, and all things in creation, other than the Eternal One Himself, from whom He was sent, and by whom He was given that power. All right, worthy of note from the passages we read from the Gospel of Matthew, notice how the angel of the Lord could not say, he is not here for he is risen if that angel was in fact Yeshua himself so there we see a clear distinction between the angel of God or the angel of the Lord and Yeshua the Messiah whose resurrection that angel was declaring to the women actually Hebrews chapter 1 verses 1 and 2 and chapter 2 verses 2 Suggest Yeshua was not an angel of any sort, at least not as the term angel is commonly understood. For instance, Hebrews chapter 2 verse 2 tells us the word was spoken by angels. This refers to the giving of the law or giving of the Torah at Mount Sinai, as we have already discussed. But Hebrews chapter 1 verses 1 and 2 tells us God spoke through prophets and angels, according to Hebrews two, verse two, in the error preceding Messiah. Yeshua was not the spokesman throughout the Tanakh or Old Testament, as many like to teach. He is instead the New Testament and last day spokesman. spokesman. In other words, Hebrews one one and Hebrews, 2, or Hebrews one one and two and Hebrews chapter two, verse two, basically specify directly that it was not Yeshua, as a pre-existent Christ who was the angel of the Lord in speaking and doing things. It was a separate entity. It was the angel of God doing it. It wasn't Yeshua, which, of course, destroys any idea that Yeshua was pre-existent as that angel. Yeshua is superior to angels, and it is therefore incorrect to ever refer to him as an angel of God. Again, as the term angel is commonly understood. Let's look at Exodus chapter thirteen, verse twenty-one. Okay, again, Exodus thirteen twenty-one, and the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of a cloud, to lead them the by, to lead them the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, to go by day and night. This verse seems to imply that the Eternal God led Israel Himself out of Egypt. Via a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. However, Exodus chapter 14, verse 19, and, and Numbers chapter 20, verse 16, inform us that in reality it was not God, but it was an angel who led Israel. Again, Exodus 14:19, and the angel of God, which went before the camp of Israel, removed and went behind them, and the pillar of the cloud went from before their face and stood behind them. Notice, the angel of the God, or excuse me, the angel of God who went before the camp of Israel. And then Numbers chapter 20, verse 16. And when we cried unto the Lord, he heard our voice and sent an angel, and hath brought us out of Egypt. And behold, we are in in Kadesh, a city in the uttermost of thy border. Notice, he sent an angel. There are those who teach it was the preexistent Messiah, who led and followed Israel, based on 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. We have already seen, however, that Yeshua was not an angel nor a spokesman during the Exodus. It can be proven that 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 is misunderstood by most Christians and misrepresented by most Christian and counterfeit Messianic leaders. However, to limit the length of this particular discussion, I may I will reserve that for a separate discussion. God willing, a detailed study of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 may be available at some point. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 9 is also misinterpreted and misunderstood. I will be soon, God willing, recording a study of the temptation of Messiah and how it proves that Messiah is absolutely not God. Within part 2 of that study, or within the somewhere within this study i don't know really what part it will be in in a recording i mentioned 1 corinthians 10:9 and begin to explain it hopefully the a deeper study of 1 corinthians 10:4 will elaborate more upon it regardless as just stated we have already seen that yeshua was not an angel or spokesman during the times of the exodus nor during any other time recorded in the Tanakh, or Old Testament. Another theophany, as defined in the first part of this discussion, is found in Exodus chapter 3. From Exodus chapter 3, verse 4, to Exodus chapter 4, verse 17, the Creator is having a conversation with Moses. He even reveals to Moses the phrase, I am, or I will be, in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, and his memorial name Yodhev Yodhevavhe in Exodus chapter three, verse fifteen. Yet in verse two of chapter three, we see that it is actually the angel of Yodhevavhe who appears in the burning bush and talks to Moses. This is confirmed again in Acts chapter seven, verse thirty-five, which says, "This Moses, whom they refused, saying," Who made thee a ruler and a judge? The same did God send to be a ruler and a deliverer by the hand of the angel which appeared to him in the bush. So, therefore, you see that it was an angel of God appearing in the burning bush. It was not God Himself. So, let me read from Exodus chapter 2, verse, excuse me, Exodus chapter 3, verse 2. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush. So see, there you see it. The angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And then again from Acts chapter 7, verse 35, This Moses whom they refused, saying, Who made thee a ruler and a judge? The same did God send to be a ruler and a deliverer by the hand of the angel which appeared to him in the bush. As the living God's empowered agent or chosen representative, that is as God's shliach, the angel had full authority to command Moses and even to use YHWH's ineffable and awesome name, that is the name of God, which is not the simple term many within the sacred name community think it to be. Okay, so now let's go on to what may be the favorite theophany many people point to for their alleged proofs of a pre-existent Messiah or pre-existent Christ. At the very least, it is among the favorites. Okay, this favorite theophany used by the man-god-promoting idolaters, is Genesis chapter 18, verse 1. Or at least, as I said, it's definitely among their favorites. So Genesis 18, verse 1. And the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre, and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. Now, this is referring to when the angel of God appeared to Avraham, or as Christianity calls him, Abraham. Now, a footnote In the Hebrew-Greek Key Study Bible concerning that verse, reads, Did Abraham actually see and talk with God? Does this contradict John 1, verse 18, which says, No man hath seen God at any time? This theophany, or appearance of God to man, in the Old Testament is believed to have been Christ. Is this possible? Could this have been the pre-incarnate Messiah? And that ends the quote from the Hebrew-Greek Key Study Bible. Well, the answer to the question that that was posed, could this have been the pre-incarnate Messiah, is a resounding no, unless you read Messiah into the text and assume it was him in order to support a biased, preconceived idea or doctrine. There is absolutely nothing in the verses, there's nothing in Genesis 18, verse 1, to lead one to that conclusion. There's nothing there. You have to assume it. Okay, within the general context of this area of Genesis, three men confront Abraham. Two of them are later seen to be angels, while one remained who Abraham addressed as yod or as God. Let's read the, that context. So let's read Genesis chapter 18, verse 22, and chapter 19, verse 1. First, eighteen, twenty-two, And the men turned their faces from thence and went toward Sodom. But Abraham s- stood yet before the Lord. That is, he's, it was an angel of God, as previously discussed. Now, chapter 19, verse 1. And there came two angels to Sodom. So there you see those two men Were two angels, and there came two angels to Sodom at even, and Lot sat in the gate of Sodom, and Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. So there you see that those two men were actually two angels. All right, and it also says that Abraham stood yet before the Lord. So the one who remained with Abraham or with Abraham. was standing before the Lord, according to the text, right? Now let's look at um, Genesis chapter 18, 22 and 26 and 33, okay? So Genesis 18, verses 22, 26, 33. And the men turned their faces from thence and went toward Sodom, But Avraham stood yet before the Lord. And the Lord said, that is an angel of God, and the Lord said, If I find in Sodom Fifty righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. And the Lord went his way. As soon as he had left communing with Avraham, and Avraham returned unto his place. Now, if one was going to assume anything, there would actually be more grounds to assume that the third man was an angel, as well as than a pre-incarnate Messiah. Okay. So that third angel was another Shliach, yet Abraham refers to him as God. There's nothing there that suggests he was a pre-incarnate Messiah or a pre-existent Christ. There's nothing there, people. You have to force that understanding into the verses. We cannot build doctrines such as Christophanes based on assumption and wishful thinking. Unfortunately, that is exactly what most Christian and counterfeit Messianic leaders do and teach. It is clear that Abraham was not seeing the eternal Creator, nor was he actually hearing his voice. Therefore, it could not have been a theophany, that is, an appearance of God, an appearance of the one and true God, because no such possibility exists while we are yet flesh and blood. The living God himself says it in Exodus chapter 33, verse 20, when he says, Thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. Now, there's actually much deeper understanding to this. It is literally impossible for a created being to see the essence of God. The domain of existence that God occupies is existence itself. God does not exist. He is existence itself. And nothing that exists or is created can dwell within that domain of God. Now, I won't get into it. It gets very deep. But the point is, no man can see him and live because if you're in that, that, that domain of God, you do not exist. All right? So, obviously, if you, if you do not exist, you can't see him and live. You cannot see the pure essence of God in his unique domain and state, it's impossible for a created entity to be there and live. It will not exist in that domain. In Genesis 18, 1, the living God had to be speaking through one of his angels and agents. He had to be speaking through a shaliach. The question would then be, was that angel a pre-incarnate messiah? In all other supposed theophanies, scriptures reveal it was an angel speaking or being seen. To suggest this instance is any different, is grasping at air, and deviates from virtually all similar occurrences found within scripture. The thought that Yeshua pre-existed his earthly birth is a fable of men based on misunderstood and or poorly translated verses. The fact of the matter is, the Bible does not identify the figure in Genesis 18.1. It does not tell us who that is. It only tells us it could be the creator. To suggest it is the pre-incarnate Messiah is just that, a suggestion or a guess and nothing more. And in fact, it wasn't the creator. It was an angel of God. So we know from all the other things we've discussed, anytime you have The Lord appearing, the Lord speaking, etc., etc. It is an emissary. It is a shliach. It is an agent of God who is actually doing the communicating. Finally, let's conclude with Numbers chapter 12, verses 6 through 8. Again, Numbers 12, 6 through 8, and he said, "Hear now my words. If there be a prophet among you." I, the Lord, will make myself known unto him in a vision and will speak unto him in a dream. My servant Moses is not so, who is faithful in all mine house. With him I will speak mouth to mouth, even apparently, and not in dark speeches. And the similitude of the Lord shall, be, shall he behold. Wherefore, then were ye not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? All right. So verse six from that reading tells us the normal way a person would see God is through a vision or dream. We also see this in Exodus chapter twenty four verses ten and eleven by the Hebrew words used. So again Exodus twenty four, ten and eleven. And they saw the God of Israel, and there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of sapphire stone, and as it were the body of heaven in his clearness. And upon the nobles of the children of Israel he laid not his hand. Also they saw God, and did eat and drink. Okay, in what way did they see the God of Israel, who is the eternal creator? The words translated saw in both the verses can have several meanings. For instance, roah, which is Strong's number 7200, is used far more than any other word for the act of of a prophet when receiving God's words. See Isaiah 6 1, Jeremiah 1:11, or Ezekiel 1 1. A derivative of Roa, or which is Roe or Seer, is used as a term for a prophet. It clearly suggests the act of receiving God's messages via visions or dreams, such as in 1 Samuel chapter 9 verses 9 through eleven, verse 18, and also verse 19. Chazah, which is twenty-three seventy Strong's number twenty-three seventy-two, is used of the revelatory visions granted by the Eternal One to His chosen messengers. See Numbers chapter two, verses, verse four; chapter four, verse sixteen; Isaiah chapter one, verse one; and Daniel chapter two, verse twenty-six; Amos chapter one, verse one; and Zechariah ten, verse two. A derivation of Chazah was also used of prophets and translated as seer as was roe number 7200 strongs number 7200 again see 2nd samuel chapter 24 verse 11 and 2nd chronicles chapter 35 verse 15 the scriptures do declare that people have seen god or have seen yod if it was not in fact an angel of god they were seeing Then they were seeing God in a vision or in a dream. They were certainly not seeing him in all his glory with their naked eye, that is, with their normal vision. Moses, however, was different. He was permitted to see a similitude of God. Now, a similitude is not the real thing. It is an image or a likeness of the real thing. The golden calf, for instance was an image or likeness of a real calf, but it wasn't an actual calf. A reflection in a mirror is an image or similitude of the true individual standing in front of that mirror. Moses could not and did not see the full glory or essence of God. He was permitted to see only his back parts, as we see in Exodus chapter 33, verse 23. Now, again, this is, this is actually a deep, a deeper subject There was no actual corporeal representation of God. There is a deeper understanding of of what it means when it says Moses saw his back. It basically is referring to the fact that Moses was not given complete, total revelation of God's plan. That's what it really refers to, and I won't get into that here because it gets into uh, deep subjects. In other words... Moses saw a small trace of God's glory or plan as it was leaving the scene, so to speak, as God was leaving. That tiny trace or fleeting glory was enough to cause his face, that is Moses' face, to shine. A good analogy of this is seeing the wake of a passing ship, but not the ship itself. You will be splashed and tossed around quite easily, depending upon the size of the ship, even though that wake is only a small trace of the power of the ship itself. Basically, Moses was able to only see a tiny fraction of God's glory or entire, entire plan. But no man can or ever will be able to literally, visually see all the glory of the infinite Creator for the simple reason that man himself is not infinite. And again, you cannot dwell within the domain which only the Creator God occupies and still exist. You can't do it. That's why God says, no man can see me and live. Okay, conclusion. In summation, yod the living God, the God of Israel and Heavenly Father of our Savior Yeshua, was never seen or heard by man. He used angels and prophets to speak to man prior to Yeshua. And he has spoken through his son Yeshua through Yeshua the Messiah ever since. Therefore, there are no theophanies in Scripture. He never used Yeshua to speak in Old Testament times because Yeshua the Messiah did not come into existence until his earthly birth. Therefore, there are also no Christophanies in Scripture. Finally, go back and listen. As we've proven, it is not possible to visually, literally see God. Well, many people visually and literally saw Yeshua the Messiah. Therefore, use your common sense, think for yourself, do not let a Christian or counterfeit Messianic leader take away your brain and fill your head full of garbage. Think for yourself using your common sense God gave you. Since God cannot be seen, and Yeshua the Messiah was obviously seen by many people, Yeshua the Messiah cannot possibly be and is not God. Thank you for listening, and goodbye.